0: You see, a God that created men, that trusted men, that put men in charge, that gave him authority, that gave him dominion, and men threw it all out the window, okay? All of it. Instead of God coming to the desk and smashing it and saying, I can't believe that you did this. How can you? I created you for a purpose, and look what you're doing. What is wrong with you? Instead of acting that way, you know what he said? He said, you might have failed, but I'm not done with you. You see, I had a plan and a purpose for you, and the enemy came and distorted. it. But guess what? I'm not done with you. I still have plans for you. There is redemption for you.
1: God bless you. It is a pleasure to speak to your life. I want to tell you that God has great things planned for you and that these are revealed through his word. Therefore, I encourage you to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind to hear a powerful word spoken through Pastor Richard Torres. Let's listen.
0: Hallelujah. As usual, I will remind you, if you notice that someone is not watching that should be watching right now, I hope that you would send them a message and say, Hey it's service time. I don't see you. I don't see any comments from you. Are you watching? Are you not watching? What's going on? You need to hear this word. God has something special for you. This is a real thing. You know, every Sunday, every opportunity that you have, God can change your life with his word. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm speaking. It is not the tone of my voice. It is not how wonderful I speak or how poorly I speak. It is the fact that it is his word. It is his promises that are spoken over your life and they have power i'm telling you it comes from someone that has seen the power of god through his word over the time over the years in my life i've seen how his word is powerful in our lives amen so if you notice that someone is not watching that should be watching right now with you go ahead and send them a message and let them know hey it's church time right now you don't have an excuse you can't say that your car didn't turn on you can't say that you had a flat tire anymore, because if you did, right where you had it, put pause and start watching, Amen. and then you can fix it later. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to continue with our series today, uh, the promise. And I'm going to ask you to go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Yes. Yes. Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6, the promise. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. We were singing about it, Wonderful, Counselor. Let's keep going. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Let's read it again. It sounds amazing, doesn't it? Speaking of the promise, this right here sounds amazing. We, we have not gotten into the context yet. We just got this one verse in here. And just reading this one verse sounds amazing. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to you all. Isn't that one of the most famous scriptures for our Christmas season? Merry Christmas to you. To you all I want to ask you a question today not necessarily a rhetorical question I want you to actually um, participate I want you to engage as I ask this question if you could only use one word to describe Christmas what would it be if you could only use one word to describe Christmas what would it be would it be love no doubt this is the most beautiful season of the year You know, around this time, you can almost feel love everywhere that you go. People somehow are forgiving. This season is a perfect opportunity to say, I forgive you. This season is a perfect opportunity to say, forgive me. This is a perfect opportunity to be kind, to give, to tolerate a little more. It it actually happens. During this season, people tolerate a little more. You know, if a, a, a business owner has employees that are annoying during Christmas, they don't dare. They try not to fire anybody during Christmas. They wait until after the first. Right. Then they tell them, I'm sorry. I mean, I've been meaning to, but I didn't want to ruin your Christmas. You see, during this time, the love is manifested everywhere that you go. What's another word that, you, that comes to mind when you, when you think of Christmas? What's one word that you will use to describe? How about happiness? Everybody seems to be walking around in a good mood. Isn't that amazing? That as, as before, if you were to dare to cut someone in the line... Whether this is in the highway or whether this is in the store, if you dare to cut someone in the line because you're desperate, because you're in a hurry, because you have important business to take care of, and you dare to cut someone in the line, God forbid that takes place. Because you will hear about it. Someone is going to be mad. But somehow during Christmas, people will be like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. Just, just stay there. Bring your friends too. Let them cut in there too as well. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We love you. Am I exaggerating? Probably. But it's fine. People smile a little more. It's just people are in a better mood. Music, this kind of music gets you in a better mood, doesn't it? Yes. What's another word that you may use to describe Christmas? Joy, yes. What about food? Does food come to mind whenever you think of Christmas? Depending on where you're from some people will immediately think of tamales tamales some people that may speak of my background right but it anyways some yeah tamales let's just leave it at that whatever food you love and it's and you're familiar with during the Christmas season every time you start hearing about Christmas maybe that comes to mind you know the food all of the things that you're gonna be eating all of the things that you're going to be doing, all of the money that you're going to be spending. What's another thing that comes to mind? How about gifts? People get very creative during this time for gifts. Oh, yeah. They start thinking about what is it that you like, what is it that you're into, and they start getting creative about giving you something that you will love, that you will enjoy. But also, people get creative about giving hints to their loved ones <laughs> about what they will like. It's almost like this whole thing of subliminal messages now come very handy. They let the other person know what they want without saying what they want. They see images. They see uh, advertisements. They see messages, everything that relates to that one thing. So all of these words that are associated with Christmas, all of these elements that we mentioned, and some of those that you have in mind, let me ask you. I wonder how many of these elements that come to mind when you think of Christmas, that you use to describe Christmas, how many of those elements, these words that we use, will disappear with this pandemic? So when you think of Christmas, all these words come to mind, all of these elements that, that create, that make Christmas, all of these things that come to mind, I wonder how many of them will disappear because of the pandemic that we're going through right now. For instance, this year, Many families will not be gathering during this time. You're aware of that, right? Many families will not be gathering during this time. Now, that means that food won't be as exuberant or bountiful as if they would get together. Does that make sense? That may also mean people not getting together, not gathering together, that gifts will not be as many As they would probably be. Hey, because of this pandemic, maybe there may not be any gifts for some families. Because of the economical hardship that they may be experiencing. Could it be that no gifts will kill the joy? For some, it will. I know, I can imagine some of these kids that were expecting a PS5. Is it a PS5 now? That were expecting a PS5. And because of the economical crisis that we're going through, all they get is an ice cream cone. You think they're not not, going to be upset? Yeah, they're not going to like it. No joy. I wonder if love will be affected. Can our celebration, listen, can our celebration this Christmas be diminished by our circumstances? Can what's going on around you diminish the celebration of Christmas that we have? Can it influence, can it decrease the joy that we normally experience during this season? No. It may seem like it. It may seem like Christmas will be diminished this year. Especially when you hear things like, Christmas is not going to be the same this year. Or Christmas is going to be a sad Christmas this year. Have you heard that Christmas won't be the same Christmas is going to be sad this year you haven't heard of that you know that, that the enemy is a master of distorting everything everything oh, yeah. everything that brings glory to God the enemy has made is making or will make an attempt to distort right. anything that includes you. If you are bringing glory to God, the enemy will do anything possible to distort your life in such a way that it can no longer bring glory to God. So the reason why you may think that Christmas may not be as powerful, as impactful, as beautiful, as amazing, as nice, as good this year because of our circumstances, whether this is money situation, whether this is the fact that we we may not be able to get together with our loved ones, whatever the circumstances, if you're thinking that Christmas is not going to be as beautiful and as amazing and as celebrated as it has been, it may be because the enemy has taken upon himself to distort Christmas. Like for instance, when he realized that Christmas was the most celebrated event in the world that meant that everyone talks about the birth of the jesus that we know as the lord of the world as the king of kings do you think it will be good for his business that people will be all talking about jesus His birth. Why is it that it's a big deal? Who is this guy? What was his accomplishments? Why is it that we worship him? You see, he was not interested in having that. So you know what he did? He said, let's make Christmas about everything else that we can. He said, let's throw a Christmas tree in the mix. Let's put some gifts in there. Let's get some gatherings going. Let's get some music going. Let's get some food. Let's get some, uh, anything that you can think of to distract them from the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. So if you take the Christmas tree, if you take the gifts away, if you take all of these things, does it still feel like Christmas? If you take the tree away, If you take the gifts away if you take the food away if you take the gatherings away does it still feel like christmas see the enemy thinks that if he managed to do that it won't feel like christmas that you won't be as joyful that you will not celebrate but let me tell you he's making a mistake because Christmas has never been about the dream. It's never been about the gifts. It's never been about the food. It is amazing that we can have all those things. But that's not what makes Christmas amazing. That is not what makes Christmas powerful in, 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 in an amazing way when we celebrate it. Are you with me? That's not what makes Christmas powerful. This is what makes Christmas amazing. The reason why Christmas is celebrated All around the world is because Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ the Lord this is what this is this is what Christmas is Christmas is the embodiment of the promise of God Christmas is the embodiment of the promise of God is the manifestation of the promise of God is the fulfillment of the promise of God Christmas is the embodiment of the promise of God so you take away the tree You take away the gifts, you take away the gatherings, you take away the lights, you take away the music, you take away all of those things, and Christmas will still be a magnificent event, a powerful event, an amazing celebration, because it is the embodiment of the promise. It will make sense by the time I'm done with the message. You see, Christmas, and as beautiful as celebration is, it's a cultural thing. It is a cultural thing. As, as, as how we celebrate it. it's a cultural thing. Do you know that I grew up and we never had a tree in our house? We didn't do gifts during Christmas. Where I'm from, they celebrate on the 6th or the 7th of January. The kids get gifts from the um, Magi on January 6th or 7th. And that was how they got the gifts. But there was no celebration and big gathering during Christmas. No music, no lights around the house. So for me, Christmas has never been about the tree. It's never been about the gifts. It's never been about any of those stuff. It's always been about the birth of the king of kings. But what makes it is special, because you may say, well, what's the big deal then? What's, what, what does this celebration mean to me? What's in it for me? I mean, what is it for me? Have you asked that question of anything that you take part of? What is it for me? I know I'm here. I know we're eating like there is no tomorrow. I know we're having fun. But what is it for me? What is this about? What's the big deal that someone was born over 2,000 years ago? What's the big fuss about it? How does that affect me? How does that affect my life? What is the benefit of that? I mean, is it just the music? Is it just the joy that we have? Is it just the fact that this season is special to us? What is it for me during this time? You see, during the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the promise. The promise. The impact that it has in our lives. To know the promise of God in our lives is truly extraordinary. For you to know The promise of God over your life is an amazing thing. It changes you. It changes you. I think that's one of the most powerful things. To understand what God has in store for you, to hear what he wants to do in your life, through your life, can change you. Just you knowing that God thought of you to do something that that he thought of you as an instrument will change your life forever. Are you there? Have you thought of that? Do you know what what he wants to do in your life? It drives you to new grounds, to new territories. We talk about our response to hearing the promise of God. Remember that last week? We are to see it, to believe it, to embrace it, and to confess it. But today, I want to talk to you about the promise of God. The promise of God. Not a promise from God, not the promises from God, the promise, emphasis, the promise, one, the promise. You see, there are many promises in the Bible that you can see, that you can believe, that you can embrace, that you can confess. There are many promises that you should look into and say, you know what, this is, this is a promise that I believe is for me. Like for instance, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 promises that God will bless you. He will bless you. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, you can read it at home. It says pretty much this. If you obey his commandments, he will bless you beyond your understanding. It says that whatever you choose to do, he will bless it. Whatever you choose to live, he will bless you. Whatever you undertake, he will bless you. It is a promise. And I believe that is a promise for you. That is a promise for me. If we obey him, he will bless us. The blessings will be chasing us, literally chasing us. Here's another promise. Joshua 1 and 5, he will be with you. He will be with you. That's a promise from God. He will be with you. The context in this uh, instance, Joshua 1, it, there about to step into the promised land and god has given him this promise just like i was with moses i will be with you joshua 1 and 5 says that he will be with you he will not live you he will not forsake you i love it because he's promising that if you're about to step into the promise you should know that he's with you he knows the challenges that are in the promises land in the promised land he knows the difficulties he knows the adversaries he knows the enemy that is on the other side he's promised to be with you to not live you that's an amazing promise in the context that we find ourselves when you look at where god wants to take you and you see the challenges and how difficult they seem he's promised to be with you and to not leave you jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11 he has a purpose for you he's promised a purpose for you I know you're familiar with that scripture for I know the plans that I have for you he wants to do good things to you he wants to bless you things may seem difficult at times you may not see a way but you you should know that he has plans for you that's comforting he has a purpose for you you see there are many promises of God for your life that you can claim that you can say i believe god is going to do this i believe god is going to heal me i believe god is going to restore my life restore my marriage i believe that god is going to bring transformation all of these things all of these promises are real and are there but today i want to talk to you about the promise one promise number one promise in the bible The most important promise in the Bible. The the most impactful promise in the Bible. The promise that has the supremacy in the Bible. The promise with the most value in the Bible. You may look at the New Testament, at the Old Testament, and you will try to find promises all around. But all of these promises hold on to this one promise. Meaning... If you get to partake of this one promise, the promise, all of the other promises fall in place. Am I making sense? The promise. All things were created through him and for him. So any promise that you can hold on to was created, was manifested, established through him and for him. So if you wish to be blessed, if you wish to be protected, if you wish to engage in purpose, there is one promise that has to be fulfilled in your heart. The promise. Pastor, what is this promise? What is that promise? The promise. The birth of Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the promise of God the birth of jesus christ is the embodiment is how it was manifested is the fulfillment of the promise of god if you look through the bible there are many references many references in the old testament about the promise of god and so i want to talk to you about the promise of god what is it to you what is this promise how is this promise affecting you what what impact does it have in your life is it, is it more than just a wonderful season? What happens in Christmas? What is the reason why we get so excited and there is so much joy? Not just happiness, which is circumstantial, but joy that regardless of the fact that they allowed you to do whatever you wish to do or not, there is joy inside of you. Regardless of the circumstances of what you have or what you lack, you will be able to have joy during this season. What is it to me? What is it? To you how does it impact your life my life does it apply to me the promise the promise i mean i don't know if i could make emphasis enough on the fact that there is one promise the promise and what it does in our lives why is it that is such a big deal there are many scriptures in the bible that speak of the promise i want to use three of them to highlight some things about this promise We'll look at the context in which they were given and show how this promise affects us. Are you guys ready? Yeah. That means that I'm just about to start preaching right now. Amen. Yes, and I still have an hour and a half left, so that's good. We still have an hour and a half left. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Hey, everybody's comfortable, yeah. right? There's not much we can do. The world outside is it's very scary right now. So, three instances in the Bible where it was mentioned the promise what is the context in this instances that may help us see how this promise may apply to us does that make sense genesis 3 verse 15 is i believe the first instance in the bible where the promise is suggested where there is a reference to this wonderful promise that god has for each one of us genesis 3 verse 15. When you have it you may say amen. If you don't have it if you don't have it please hurry up. <laughs> Genesis 3 verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Let's read it again. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman in between thy seed and her seed, I know you've heard probably many messages on this scripture. I know that you know that her seed is reference to what? To Jesus Christ, to the Messiah. This is the first reference to the promise. The promise. What is the promise? Is Jesus Christ, his birth. His birth that we're celebrating today is the embodiment of that promise. Let me, I don't know if you understand this. The most important promises, the most important, the most impactful, the, the, the highest level of value in the promises of God had already been manifested. It already took place. The promise that had the biggest impact, you think that you being healed is what has the biggest impact in your life. Let me tell you that the promise, the most impactful promise has already been fulfilled. It was the birth, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Jesus Christ, of the anointed of God. That is the most impactful promise. So the promise, the first reference that we have to it was in Genesis 3.15. And it is known as the seed of the woman. Context is very important. When we read the Bible, context allows us to understand how we can apply what is said. Because many times what you read in the Bible, you should not apply it literally to you. Especially some things in the Old Testament. So you have to understand the context that is Speaking, what it really, what it really means, what it's really saying. So understanding the context and what is going on in here will allow us to understand a few things about this promise and how it affects our lives. When was this given? When was this promise? When was the reference to this promise given? What had just happened in this instance that God saw it appropriate to make a reference to The promise that God thought appropriate to remind everyone about the promise. The most impactful promise. Men, God's wonderful creation had just fallen. They had just fallen. In the beginning of chapter 3, we find that. And in verse 15, God is speaking to them. What is it to me? What is this promise to me? Number one. Based on what we find in this, in this passage, it's redemption. Redemption. Don't you love that word? Redemption. Listen, first thing I want to mention. I love how God chooses the time to mention some things. As soon as they failed, his creation, his wonderful creation, as soon as they failed, God thought appropriate. To speak, to make a reference to the promise. Redemption. Redemption. Number one, it means God is not done with you. That's what I see in this message.
1: I hope God has been speaking to your life through this message. The desire of Bethesda Church and Pastor Richard is to change lives through love. And we are very grateful for the opportunity that this medium allows us to reach multitudes. If you would like to continue listening to more messages from our pastor or to know more about this ministry, look for us online at mybethesta.org or on facebook.com slash mybethesda. Thank you.
0: You see, a God that created men, that trusted men, that put men in charge, that gave him authority, that gave him dominion, and men threw it all out the window okay, all of it, instead of God coming to the desk, and smashing it, and saying, I can't believe that you did this, how can you, I created you for a purpose, and look what you're doing, what is wrong with you, instead of acting that way, you know what he said, he said, you might have failed, but I'm not done with you. You see, I had a plan and a purpose for you, and the enemy came and distorted it. But guess what? I'm not done with you. I still have plans for you. There is redemption for you. I have a plan in place right now. It's being executed as we speak right now. It started. This is the beginning of it. God is not done with you. We think our failures separate us from Him. Sin does. Sin does separate us from God. But guess what? He had a plan of redemption. I wonder how many times we fail him and we thought he was done with us. Don't you think that it's interesting that he immediately, as they failed, thought it would be impactful to make a reference of redemption, reference to the promise God is not done with you number two God doesn't waste any time I love this I love this because right after I failed it's when I feel the worst but how amazing is God he didn't wait it a few verses he didn't wait it a few chapters he didn't wait a little while to be able to express, I'm not done with you. No, right away he said, I have plans to redeem you. I have plans of redemption. You will be redeemed. I love that. He didn't wait a couple of chapters. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's not waiting any time with you either. When we failed, somehow we think that he's gonna take a break from us that he wants nothing to do with us he's not waiting for you immediately His plan of redemption is active in your life. Immediately, he's thinking about how to bring you back. He's thinking about how to win your heart. He's thinking about how to get you to where you belong. I hope you understand that what is it to me with Christmas is redemption. It means that salvation is not for a few days. It's not for next week. It's for today. Today is the day of salvation. Second instance I want to go over so we can go fast. It's found in Genesis 12, verse 3. Genesis 12, verse 3. So the first one is known as the seed of the woman. The first reference to the promise, Jesus Christ. And it brings to us redemption. It speaks to us about redemption, a redemptive power over our lives. That I know I need. That I know you need. Genesis 12 verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Yeah. You love this, this blessing, don't you? Oh yeah. This is one of our favorites, right? <laughs> Let's read it from the beginning then. Since we're here. Now the Lord said to Abraham. Get out of your country. the Verse 1. From your family and from your father's house. To the land that I will show you. This is where it starts getting really amazing. And I will make a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. But this is the part where the the reference to the promise this made and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you right there may not be as clear but he's speaking about in his seed the seed of abraham this is not abraham it is not in in abraham that all the families of the earth shall be blessed it is in his Seed. And he says, seed is not Isaac, it's not Jacob, it's not any of the 12 tribes. The seed is who? Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the second reference to the promise. The promise. So, for projecting redemptive power, God requires, listen to me, listen to me. As we see in this context now, God already dealt with a redemptive manifestation of our failure. But now we see Abraham, a man who is about to start a journey, about to be an instrument of the Most High God, one that God will use to be a blessing. Okay, Projecting, listen to this, projecting redemptive power requires a conduit. God made a reference to the promise. What is this promise? Redemption through Jesus Christ. Now, this redemption, this blessing, this promise that God has requires a conduit, requires a path for redemption to travel. The promise, the promise, the promise from God requires instruments through which it can operate. God is now dealing with a man, and he is getting ready to start a journey to his destiny. What is it to me in this promise? So, so far we know that the promise of God deals with redemption. And now we see in this passage that redemption needs a conduit. God needs a path so that he can Send the promise. And I'm not just talking about the lineage, the blood. I'm talking about redemption and how God operates and what he does in our lives. In his case, let me tell you, what is it to me? What is it to me in this promise? It is purpose. Number one, redemption. Number two, purpose. Your destiny is interlaced did I say it correctly? Interlaced. Entangled? Interlaced. Your destiny is interlaced with the promise. With God's plan of redemption. With God's plan for humanity. Your destiny, it's interlaced with the promise. What God wants to do with the agenda that he has. With God wanting to bless people. Your destiny It's interlaced with God's promise, with the promise, which means that it is Jesus in you that will be a blessing to those around you. It is Jesus in you. You see the impact of celebrating Christmas? Because the promise was about redemption the promise has to do with purpose and when we celebrate Christmas when we engage on what it really means it means that promise was already fulfilled it has already taken place your purpose number two is not bound to your past so what is it to me what is this promise to me number one redemption number two purpose our destiny is interlaced with the promise and number 2 is your purpose your destiny is not bound to your past this to your past excuse me to your past this is important for you to hear yeah. your destiny is not bound to your past because we think our purpose has to do with how good we are at something and how good we are at something is determined by our past performance that's how we evaluate I've been doing this. I'm good at it. I keep getting better. You see, your purpose is not bound. It's not bound to your past. How good you are at something. How, how well you perform. How much you pray. How much you do. Our purpose is not defined by our abilities or our weaknesses but by his agenda again it is the promise what god has planned the redemption the path the instruments that are required for this to take place in our lives so that he could he could continue to bring redemption into our lives so it is his plan it is what he needs that determine our purpose isn't that liberating that My purpose is not defined. My purpose is not limited. My purpose is not bound by my past. My purpose is linked to his need, what he needs done. So he has a need. He has an agenda. He has a purpose. He has something that he's going to do. So he connects it to me, to my purpose, to you, to your purpose. Number three. The third instance in which this is mentioned. And it is where we started. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9 and 6. Do you have it? You guys are too quiet. Is this too serious? That's good. Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we have redemption. We have purpose. And number three, what do we, we have in here in this passage of the Bible? What's going on in here? Let's look a little bit of what's happening in this. Let's go to verse 2. Same chapter verse 2. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of the context. I guess somehow circumstances have not been great for the people listening to this word so they have been abused they have been oppressed they have been killed let's read it again the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death i don't know if you have been anywhere around a situation like that upon them a light has shined because that's what the promise is to you. That's what the promise is to you. Redemption, purpose, and we're finding out in this context what, what is it that it does or what it is to us and the third uh, thing that we have. For you have broken, verse 4, for you have broken the yoke of his burden in the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian and then we go to verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given there is a birth and a government will be upon his shoulder there is kingship right there and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This kingship will have no end. Isn't that amazing? Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice for that time forward, even forever, the seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what's going on in here? What's the context? This word was given to people in captivity people that knew what oppression felt like people that understood what death felt like people that understood what what losing everything that you had Uh, felt like this is the people that are listening to this so what is the promise for me what is it to me what is this wonderful promise that we celebrate every year what is it that the manifestation of this promise is it to me what is it that I get out of this embodiment of the promise of God that we celebrate every Christmas year or every Christmas date every year what is it to me number one is redemption that we all need. That God says, listen, I know you have failed. I know. And right after you have failed, He's right there to tell you, hey, I'm not done with you. I still have plans for you. That's redemption for you and me. There is purpose. To understand that your purpose is not connected to your past. That your purpose has to do with what He needs, what His agenda is. It doesn't matter how your past was. It doesn't matter if it was wonderful, if it was difficult, if it was joyful, if it was painful. It doesn't matter. Your purpose is to... Determined by his need, what he needs, his agenda, what he has established will take place for this season. And number three, what is it to me? Hope. 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 So the promise of God, the embodiment of the promise of God, the fulfillment of the promise of God, what is it to me? Number one, what is number one? Redemption. Number two, purpose. And number three, hope. And we're closing with this one. Hope. The promise brings hope. On the day when they received this word, when this word was spoken, they were oppressed. They were in captivity. They were not free. They were not enjoying the promises of God as they would want it to. Interesting enough, whenever... The promise was fulfilled whenever Jesus was born the Israelites were still oppressed this time by the Roman Empire they were oppressed they were not free they couldn't do as they would wish oppression here's what we get in the promise the promise brings hope one day the oppression will be broken that's what this is saying The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isn't that Hopeful and amazing that one day oppression will be broken. One day this sickness will go away. One day this tribulation will not be here. One day victory will be eternal. One day victory will be eternal. One day joy will have no end. One day your king, my king, will be seated in the throne and there will be no end to the kinship. Hope. Hope, when things are difficult, you have the promise, which is hope. I want to tell you a couple of things about hope, and then we're closing. Hey, second time we're closing. <laughs> Number one, don't let the enemy destroy your hope. Amen. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. Right. Adversity, difficulty, challenges, all of these things are present. And I wish they will take turns. I wish adversity will tell difficulty, hey, you wait back there. Let me mess with him first. Once I'm done messing with him, you can come. And then difficulty comes and he says, hey, 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 you challenge, you wait up there. Let me mess with him first. Let me do something. And then you come in. No, I wish it was that way that you can deal with one thing. Once you're done with that, you can deal with another thing. No, what happens is you have to deal with this one while this one is still messing with you and while there's something else coming on in this direction. You see, I remember King Jehoshaphat was told, a great multitude is coming against you. That's what he feels like. You see, you come to church, you lift up your hands, you worship God, you praise Him, you tell Him how amazing it is, and every day this virus feels closer and closer and closer, and every day is affecting more and more and more, and every day more challenges and difficulties. It almost seems sometimes, if you are an honest Christian, it almost feels sometimes that that instead of things getting easier, they get harder. That instead of feeling like you're making progress, it feels like you're actually going backwards. Instead of feeling like things are actually getting better, they're actually getting worse. The enemy is an expert at destroying hope. He will do anything possible to keep you away from hope. And if it wasn't enough the challenges that we have then we have situation like the moment when peter was fishing all night long with what nothing to show for that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing that you're giving god your best and you don't see the benefits of your effort you sacrifice, you give. You're almost ready to say to the pastor, what else do you want me to do? I've done everything. I'm trying. I'm giving God my best. And I still have nothing to show for. I'm still waiting for the promises that he made. I'm still waiting for the miracle. I'm still waiting for the restoration. What else can I do? You see, it feels like you've worked for a long time with nothing to show for. You know that an overnight success is not a real thing, Right? Overnight success is not a real thing. A very successful woman was interviewed, and she said, they tag tag me as an overnight success, she says. See, what they don't know is that that night lasted 10 years. (laughs) 10 years in the making. That is not what I want to hear, Pastor. (laughs) Because I've been fighting for three years. Because I've been fighting already for 15 years. So 10 years is gone. And I still haven't seen what God declared he would do. Listen, don't allow the enemy to destroy your hope. Instead, realize that in due season, you will cry, but of joy, when you look back and see how faithful he is, how amazing he is. The second thing I want to tell you on hope is don't shape hope for God. Don't put hope in a human-made shape. I don't know if that makes sense. But sometimes we hear from God that He's going to do something. That becomes hope. And now what we do is we shape what hope looks like. So God... Answering my prayers looks like this. So my hope has already a shape that we're expecting to see, that we're expecting to be manifested in our lives. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Because when God does what he does, many times he does it in ways that we have no idea he would do. This is real. I know of a man that shaped Hope, in a way that was almost blocking him from receiving the miracle. His name, I believe, was Naaman. He had a servant. His servant said, hey, there is a prophet in my land that will be able to pray for you and you will be healed. This man shaped hope. And he went to the prophet. He went knocking on the door And when the door was opened by his own words, he later describes and says, I thought the prophet will come out. I thought he will do some sort of prayer. Maybe he would dance this way. Maybe he would shout this way. Maybe he would have something on him. Maybe he would touch me. Maybe he would do this. You see, he shaped hope. Instead, he didn't even come out, he sent his servant. And he asked me to go take a shower. How in the world is that going to help me? It's not. Listen, don't shape hope. Leave it open. Leave it open. That's the best thing that you can do. Understand that God can do it. And that God can do it in the least expected way. Don't put God in a box that now He's limited by your own understanding on what He he can do in your life. In your time. And everything has to be according to what you design. Don't shape hope. Instead, allow Him. Allow Him to do it as He determined So you don't miss it. Like the Israelites. They shaped hope. They were expecting a deliverer. One that will come and remove Rome. Remove the oppression. They were expecting a physical leader. So much so that they asked him. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were not getting it. Don't shape God. He's going to do amazing things in your life, in the life of your children. Right. Don't put him in a box. I know we want it done a certain way. I know we want it done in a certain time. Listen, we're all in the same boat. We all have that. Yeah. I've seen what God, I've seen the promises of God over my life. I believe them. I've embraced them. I'm confessing them. You see it now, I'm confessing them. I had for a little while, I'm confessing them. I'm preaching to myself too. I'm confessing them, but listen to this. I can't say that because he's called me here or he said this, that it should look like what happened to that person over there or what happened to this person over there. Don't shape hope, allow him to do as he pleases. Let me finish with the names that are given in here. Verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I wonder why these names could have been Faithful, it could have been Lord of Hosts, it could have been many of the other names These are the ones that are placed in here. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I believe because the name of the God that you worship should reflect the way that you live. I believe that our lifestyle reflects what we believe. So if you say that you believe this, And really in your heart you believe that, your lifestyle will reflect it. So in the promise, let's see what our life should look like. If the promise of God has actually been fulfilled in our hearts. I know that He was born. I know that He died in the cross for us. I know that He resurrected for us. I know that all of that took place. So the fulfillment, the embodiment of that promise was Jesus it took place it was fulfilled but if there hasn't been a birth new birth in your life if it, if there is no kingship in your life then you may not be experiencing all of these things that we're talking about the embodiment of the promise of God so let's look at what that life looks like wonderful wonderful i believe without a doubt listen i don't care what your situation is like right now i don't care if you don't have one penny under your name i don't care if you feel sick i don't care what you're going through right now your life if you are a son of the most high god should be wonderful should be wonderful, not because you are wonderful, but because your destiny is interlaced with the promise of God, with the most high God, with the King of Kings, that should make your life wonderful, when people come to you, when you interact with people, they should be able to understand that there is a living God, your life should be wonderful, it doesn't mean that you're not suffering, it doesn't mean that you don't go through trials and tribulation, it doesn't mean that you don't have bad days, what it means is that your life, over Overall, it's wonderful. So you don't get up one morning in the morning. You don't get up one morning in the morning. (laughs) Looking at yourself. Oh, poor thing. How despicable I am. I'm the worst thing. Listen, your life should be wonderful because the Holy Spirit is inside of you because Jesus died in the cross for you. Counselor, counselor, counselor counselor it sounds almost like when you have a need for something and you go to someone and ask for advice it sounds like you should have answers to every dilemma in your life it doesn't mean that you will never make mistakes it means that you always know where to turn to you always know where to go to you see i love how this displays what the life of a christian should look like amen Lost my place. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Mighty God. I wonder what you would be able to do if you serve a mighty God. I shouldn't have said it like that, right? I wonder what you would be able to do if you serve a mighty God. I don't think I need to expand on that. (laughs) Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Let me ask you a question. Do you guys feel like the end is coming? And I don't mean the end of life. I mean the end of life as you know it. The natural life. Do you feel like it's coming? I feel like it's coming. I feel like at any time, he may show up. And I wonder if we're ready for an everlasting father.
1: I hope you have enjoyed this message, and if one day you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to visit, our address is 71001 Airport Freeway, Richland Hills, Texas, 76118. We would love to meet you. If you have any requests and would like for us to pray for you, you can call us at 817-427-0010 and leave a voice message. Contact us and let us know your comments. Once again, you can give us a call at 817-427-0010 or write us an email to info at